He is the real Ben McDonald on Twitter. Y'all give him a follow if you don't already, but you see him and hear him on your TV, especially as we get into the postseason. Ben McDonald with you right now on your radio. Ben, appreciate you giving me a little bit of time here going into Super Regional Weekend. And uh, we got 16 teams, and I'm sure that you'll be paying attention to some of those. Do you know which ones you're going to be watching and covering uh, as of right now? Well, I, I have the Super Regional. Well, first of all, good to be with you guys, man. Always you too. a pleasure to be with you guys. But, uh, yeah, I've got East Carolina and Vanderbilt uh, are my three games, and we kick it off tomorrow, 11 o'clock Central Time on ESPN2. And, uh, you know, our matchup is pitching, really pitching heavy. Everybody knows about Mar Rocker and, of course, Jack Leiter. And East Carolina's got a real dude, too. Gavin Williams is a, a first-round talent, and he's big-time, too. So we got some big arms uh, on the mound uh, in this one, so I'm looking forward to that. Well, and I mean, I, I'm assuming Kumar Rocker is going to throw right off the bat tomorrow. Is that right? Yes, yes. Kumar's going game one, lighter game two, and Gavin Williams to go game one for East Carolina. And uh, he, like I said, he is a real dude too. He's got a fastball even better than what Kumar's got. He's up to 98 miles an hour. Another big kid, six foot six, and so we got some real power arms kicking this thing off tomorrow. Man, how are these college kids supposed to hit 98? Just swing and hope? <laughs> well, you know, the, the velos <laughs> have gone up over the years, but, you know, you see kids adjust, and I think the game is about adjustments. And even at the big league level, we're seeing really, really high velocities when you get them in fastball counts getting turned around. So I don't know that much about how much velocity plays a part in it anymore. I think mm. kids are just geared uh, to hit it. And, of course, the SEC kids see it. You know, the mid-90s fastball, it's nothing unusual for them anymore to see. And it's nothing unusual across the country as hard as kids are throwing now. So I think kids have just learned how to adapt to it. Sure. Ben McDonald on your radio right now, analyst with ESPN and the SEC Network throughout the year talking college baseball. Um, Ben, I want to real quick with you. You watched LSU all last weekend out in Eugene, and they won that regional. And I don't know how to describe it. Earlier I was – only halfway kidding when I said there's just some magic in that possum or something that they seem to find. <laughs> what is it? They've they've got confidence this time of year, don't they? Yeah, they do. You know, and you know, you didn't see it really coming. They they did finish the SEC schedule strong, as you know. They won their yeah. final three before their last five, but then they go to the SEC tournament. Most people thought it was a play-in game, and they really didn't show up. They lose four to one to Georgia, and they had they were kind of a bubble team. You know, you just didn't know. And then they dropped game one of that regional, and we know the percentages when you drop game one of a regional. And LSU's strength's not been as pitching depth. You know, pitching depth's not been as strength at all this year. So after LSU dropped game one, you knew it was going to be an uphill battle. But I don't know. It's almost like they lost game one. They say, hey, we got nothing to lose now. Let's go play. And they played the best baseball that I've seen them play. And, you know, I'm happy for Paul Maneri. You know, he's kind of his last little ride. And, I think LSU's hoping they can create something like Florida State did for Mike Martin a couple of years ago in a, in, a, in a deep run. But you didn't see it coming. It's been overall a disappointing year for LSU. But yet, like you said, Paul Maneri and his history at LSU, he has got his kids playing the best towards the end of the season. It looks like they're doing it again. They're playing as good as I've seen them. Do they have the pitching to beat Tennessee in Knoxville? That's a great question. On paper, I would tell you no. And, you know, that ballpark over there, it's not a very fair ballpark. I mean, that ball, I think they hit more home runs in that region than they did anywhere else. And if it gets in the air, you know, over in Tennessee, you, you hold your breath because it may go out of the ballpark. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be high scoring. But 
Having said that, they did have some kids step up. Uh, Landon Marceau, I don't know if he's going to be ready to start game one or not because he had to come in and finish that last game off against Oregon. So I have not heard what the rotation is going to be like uh, for LSU. But I do know this, they're going to have to score some runs because that Tennessee team, you're just not going to shut them out, especially at home in that ballpark. I have the feeling that's going to be some high-scoring games over there in Tennessee. Yeah, and a little drama mixed in there as well. Ben McDonald on your radio right now. We're talking Super Regionals. Okay, First up for us here in the, uh, the Magnolia State, Ben, is Ole Miss is all the way out there at Arizona. Um, wh- what are your overall thoughts when you've kind of taken a peek at that matchup, Rebels versus Wildcats? Well, it's very, it's obviously a very offensive super mm-hmm. regional. You, you look what Arizona's done, and I think they're towards the top, or maybe fifth in the entire country. They're averaging eight and a half runs a game. Their batting average is three twenty-seven. It's a ballpark where the ball moves around, flies pretty good. Uh, out there. And so, you know about Ole Miss's offense. It's been a really, really good offense, too. One that averages over seven runs a game. I think top 25 in the entire country. So, I look for some runs to be scored in that one, too, you know. And, you know, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you got to hope Nick Casey can continue to pitch the way he's pitched in Broadway. And you got to have to have Derek Diamond and Myers and McDaniel and all those guys step up. And you got to hope you keep swinging the bat like you have. The good news for Ole Miss is they won't be intimidated by anything. They've been through the gauntlet like all these SEC teams. I think it's a pretty favorable matchup because when I look at Arizona's pitching staff, while the ERA is 4.34, that's not good. And, and you know, it's not great, but, it, again, it is a pitcher's ball for our hitter's ballpark. But mm-hmm. I don't see any dominant arms on the mound. I mean, anybody can beat you this time of the year, but, you know, I'm looking at Garrett, their number one guy, and he's got 71 strikeouts and 84 innings pitched. Uh, there's not any what I could call just shut you down kind of kind of uh, pitchers on that mm-hmm. staff. So I think it's going to be high scoring for sure over there, and I like Ole Miss's chances. I really do. I think this team has overcome a lot, like a lot of teams, all the injuries up and down across the board to the pitching staff and to the position players. But yet, Mike Bianco's got his team really playing well and playing with a lot of confidence right now. So I like Ole Miss's chances out there, uh, Ben. You know, I'm watching Doug Nikhazy last week. You know, he was great in his start, and then they brought him out of the pen in that game seven, that final game against uh, Southern Miss. Bases are loaded, and he gets them out of it. Now, he gave up a couple of home runs when he came back out the next inning, but by but by killing that bases loaded threat, I felt like that's what won the ball game for Ole Miss and, and effectively won the regional. And I came away from it thinking – is there another player out there, the single guy, that is more important to their team than Nikhazy is to Ole Miss? A- am I going overboard or am I on the right track, you think? No, I think I think you're on the right track just because you lose Gunnar Hoagland. If you still yeah. had Hoagland in the mix, I would say, okay, well, there's a question. You know, you, you, know, you can refute that a little bit. But the fact that was, when, when Hoagland went down, what Nikhazy did, obviously at his start, I think he struck out 14 or 16, 16 it might have been. That was just crazy. I was keeping up with it while we were doing our stuff. But uh, what he did there, and you're right, the, the game was won for Ole Miss when he came in with the bases loaded and got out of it. And so he's been a rock star throughout his career. He's a gamer. He's one of the biggest gamers we've seen come through the SEC. And don't forget him taking a little bit of time off with the, you know, with the injury that he had. Mm. He may be a little bit fresher than most guys right now, you know, because this time of year, these starters have accumulated a lot of pitches and a lot of innings. Sometimes the stuff is just not the same down the stretch. And the fact that he set out a little bit might be a little bit of a blessing in disguise right now, but he may be a little fresher than most. You have to see how he reacts after coming in relief. You know, it would be his side day. 
and having to come in there and, and, and get it for a few innings for, for Ole Miss. But all in all, look, this guy, and, and again, from an offensive standpoint, let's not forget Tim Elko. I mean, I, I just marvel at this guy and what he has done <laughs> on one ACL. To me, to me, it's probably the, the, the greatest college story this year with mm-hmm. Elko. Because for me, he was the SEC player of the year before he got hurt. I really felt like I had picked him before the season began. I said he's the best hitter in the league. And I love his story about sitting out, not getting to play a whole lot, sticking it out, and then becoming a superstar. And now getting injured, you sit out a month and you come back. Y'all know what he's done. It's, it's just been it's been fun to watch. It's what college baseball is all about. No question about it. Ben McDonald on your radio right now. Ben, if you were coaching against Ole Miss, would you pitch to Elko? No, absolutely not. I would never pitch to that. I mean, there's all – look, when you go through – the scouting report is a starting pitcher to catch it before every game. And, and, of course, Ole Miss will do that. You'll always say there's one guy in a lineup that's not going to beat us. This guy is not going to beat us. And so when you get a chance to pitch around Elko, I think you pitch around him. The good news is that, you know, Kevin Graham has been outstanding. Yeah. Gonzalez has been outstanding. You can pitch around him, but you got to face the, you got to face the madness at some point, you know. And this Ole Miss offense just continues to score. They continue to feed up runs. It seems like it's a different – Guy, whether it's Hunt, Hayden Dunhurst or whoever it is, it's a different star in there every night for Ole Miss. But to answer your question, absolutely not. I would never pitch to Tim Elko unless I had to. <laughs> and it's funny, you know, like every time he hits one out, uh, opposing fans immediately go, why did they pitch to him? You know, and you always ask those questions. That competitive spirit gets going, and sometimes it gets better. Well, in the back of your mind as a coach, you go, okay, this guy's got a torn ACL. Yeah. There's no way that he's really that good. Can he really perform like that? Can he really hit? And then the back of your mind goes, well, no way. Let's, let's pick to him because he's got one ACL, but yet he keeps doing it. So at some point you got to say, okay, one ACL or not, or two or whatever he's got, we're not going to pitch to him. Yeah, I agree. Ben, um, we were talking here on the show just a little bit ago. Some folks sent me some different numbers, some stats, uh, comparing Mississippi State and Notre Dame. Uh, one of those stats was Notre Dame against top 50. Even though they haven't played as many games, they've been really good against the top 50, maybe better than State has. And I, I'm sort of bringing up the fact that stats are a lot like a bikini. You know, they show you a lot, but not everything. Okay, so when right. you when you look at and Notre Dame coming in there, they can score and they can defend. They haven't played as much. They don't play in the SEC, and they have to go to the dude. How, how does that one shake out? What do you see? Well, I, when you play as a dude, you know, it's a different environment. And not every team can adapt to that. And, of course, the ACC teams are not used to playing in that kind of environment. Notre Dame's a good team, there's no doubt. They can score. I think, is it Nico Cavadas, I think, is their guy? And, look, the last I looked, he had like a third of their home runs. The dude had like 21 homers and 62. Think about not pitching to a guy, right? I mean, right. that would be the guy with Notre Dame because, you know, the rest of them are pretty good, but – they're not really that offensive past him. Now, they do do some other things. They can steal some bases. I think they've got 65 or 70 stolen bases. Um, they can pitch it a little bit, too. But I still like Mississippi State chances because they're at home. And you get in that environment, it's just different. You know, and the ACC is a really a good conference, but it is not the SEC when it comes to crowds and those kind of environments that you see there. And so I really think at the end of the day, the experience, the Mississippi State's going to run out there, you know, with Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan and Logan and Cameron James. And, uh, you know, Kellen Clark's been a big boost toward the back in that bull or, or lineup since he got healthy, too. And you got enough pitching. We've always said that about Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. I still think there's enough arms out there in Bednar and McLeod 
the starters, of course, with Landon Sims, it's like Kevin Cox coming in. You can turn the lights out and go home almost, you know. And so I still like Mississippi State's pitching, and I like that environment for them, and I think State comes out of that one. You know, and Ben, if they come out of that one, we're looking at Omaha, right? And if you just say, okay, let's project. It's just a big old hypothetical, but if State gets in there, they're going to be on the opposite side of the Omaha bracket from Vandy, from Arkansas, right. and from Ole Miss. So if McLeod, the light bulb comes on at the right time, Cameron James batting third in the lineup, he just was the MVP of the regional. If he's coming alive at the right time, State can actually go pretty deep over there, I think, if they get into Omaha. What do you think? Oh, no doubt. I mean, when the season began, we knew Mississippi State had all the pitching they needed. It was a deep staff. The question would be, okay, can this offense match some of that pitching? Can mm. they go out and can they score enough runs? That was always the question for me for Mississippi State. And with the offense starting to click at the right time, uh, they can go deep. The bad news is I think they would match up with Texas if Texas came through. And Texas, yeah. of course, got that big right-hander in Ty Madden, who is a first-round row there. So it would be a hell of a game one with some big-time dudes on the mound. It'd be fun to watch. But I do like I do like State's chances, and I just think that the, the being at home and that offense, it seems to be playing better. Because we can always say, you know, we can project teams. And like you said, the stats really don't mean a whole. It gives us something to talk about right now. But we all know these teams are so close, especially when you get to Supers and you get to Omaha. It's always a team that plays the best, right? It's not yeah. so much the best team. It's a team that plays the best that ends up winning this thing. And, and then you want to be peaking at the right time. It seems like Mississippi State's offense is really playing and hitting as well as they have all year. Sure. Ben McDonald on your radio right now. He's real Ben McDonald on Twitter. You ought to give him a follow if you don't already, especially if you're a college baseball fan, and especially uh, this time of year. I, I want to go back where we started, Ben. You're going to be calling that Vandy series and – you know, it's interesting how it works. Like, you get to this time of the year, you know, it seems like we talk about Arkansas. You know, we talk a lot about Ole Miss and State here. And I sometimes, well, I had this thought today. I wonder if I'm forgetting that, hey, listen, all Vandy's got to do is get in that final series in Omaha, and whoever it is on the other side has got to face Rocker and then Lighter. Are they more of a favorite to win it all than we're even maybe giving them credit for? Um. I, think, I mean, if you talk pitching, yeah. I mean, look, it's yeah. a complete team when you look at Vanderbilt. I mean, look, they can score runs. And Enrique Bradfield Jr. at the top is an igniter. I mean, leads the nation in stolen bases, hitting three fifty nine. But they can score runs. And so I really like their offense, yes. But the key to beating Vanderbilt is you got to either knock off Kumar or you got to knock off Leiter, right? Mm-hmm. If you knock off one of those two guys in a three-game series, you can beat them because their third guy – Hasn't been great. He's been okay, but it's been kind of between Patrick Riley and the 17-year-old Christian Little, mm-hmm. you know. But if you if you somehow can beat one of those two guys, I think you've got a real shot of knocking them off. But, again, Vandy's at home, too. They've got some experience. They're a defending national champion, and it's a deep lineup for me, you know. And so, yeah, it's, it's, I wouldn't count against Vanderbilt. I never would because the pitching is the most important thing. They seem to have the two dudes at the top that are both going to be, you know, potentially first five or six picks in the first round. Ben, uh, not at all uh, with the intent to paint you in a corner on the LSU job or anything like that, because I know all this is fresh and you're you're watching these teams getting ready for Vandy. I just saw the news a little bit ago on Twitter where Kevin O'Sullivan at Florida is saying, "Hey, I'm I'm not a candidate. I'm staying at Florida." 
What do you think with the way they finished? What do you think about him and Florida going forward? And what does that mean, do you think, for that LSU opening? Well, I mean, you know, Sully, before this year, Sully had been the seven of the last 10 College World Series. You know, nobody else could say that. So he's a hell of a coach. Um, He's got, he he recruits well. Um, He gets uber talented guys to come in there. They, They didn't finish like everybody thought they would. I mean, they were preseason number one. And they really started playing the better down the stretch, and nobody saw what coming yesterday or this last weekend happened. Nobody saw that coming in going 0-2 and, and getting really just boat raced in both of them. But yeah. um, at the end of the day, he's a good coach. Now, what I heard through the grapevine, he was at the top of the list for LSU along with some others, and, and I don't know what's happened because I'm not involved in that, but evidently he's backed out of it or LSU got cold feet or something. I don't know, but I've been hearing a bunch of names, including – the guy that I'm going to see, I, I've been hearing uh, Cliff Godwin's name mentioned. You know, who was an assistant under Mike Bianco. He assisted at LSU uh, at Vanderbilt before he got the East Carolina job. And so Casey's name's being mentioned, the former Oregon State coach. I've heard Mike Bianco's name being mentioned. Um, and so who knows what the rumors are true. But, you know, Scott Woodward, the AD at LSU, you know, he's about making splashes. All you got to do is say Tim Mulkey, and you know that. And mm. so – I think he's going to go out and try to get the most qualified guy, the best guy that he feel like fits the situation uh, for LSU because the, the coaching job at LSU is different than a lot of others because not only do you have to be a coach, but you got to do all the speaking engagements and you got to be go around as a politician. Mm-hmm. you got to kiss the babies and do all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> it's a unique kind of job. It really is. It's a tough job with high expectations. And so it'll be interesting to see, but I have a feeling that some of the guys that they're considering are maybe guys that are still playing right now and of course, that slows the process down. Um, just to bring it up, you think Vitello at Tennessee is a candidate? You know, I ha- I think he probably is. I have not heard his name mentioned a yeah. whole lot in this. I mean, just kind of through the grapevine and what I've been hearing, it's been a lot about O'Sullivan. It's been Mike Bianco. It's been Cliff Godwin. You know, it's been Casey, a, a former Oregon State coach. Those are the games that I've names I've been hearing a lot of. But you just don't know what's true and what's not true and what's out there. So it's interesting to see what's going to happen. But there's some big-time jobs out there. You know, we saw some flash nail goes over to A&M, and some of the guys are moving around a little bit. So there's some job openings out there. But certainly that LSU job is the one that I think everybody's looking at right now. Sure. Ben, it sure is a fun time of year, too. And, you know, I may be wrong. I think we're probably a little biased here in the state of Mississippi. But if I'm being objective, it just looks like – the, the interest in baseball, in college baseball, that is, it gets a little bigger and a little bigger each year. I think it's growing in, in large part because of the TV coverage. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I think the SEC network and the ACC network, there's others out there now. Uh, our game continues to grow because all the games, you know, are streamed. On, you know, even the regular season games, you can watch them on your phone or your iPad or Apple TV or whatever. And so – you can see college baseball now like you've never seen it before in years past. And you can almost follow your favorite team and all the teams around the conferences. And of course, you talk about the SEC, it's the mecca of college baseball. And it's where the biggest crowds are, the better teams, the better players, and the biggest fan base in all the countries down in the Southeast, the Southeastern Conference, you know. And yeah. so our game continues to grow. Uh, it's good to see. Uh, on all the platforms that it's out there, and it's just, it's in a good place right now. I really mm-hmm. think it's in a good, fair place right now, and it's and it's, it's fun to watch. It's good to see people get excited. Of course, in the state of Mississippi, y'all got the best of everything over there. I mean, you got unbelievable facilities. 
I love Scott Berry. Southern Miss has a hell of a program, too. What Mike, Mike, Mike Bianco has done, Coach Lim over at State, and, and the fan bases that are out there in the state of Mississippi, man, it's fun to watch. Of course, you know about the LSU fan base and South Carolina and Florida and around the league. So it, it's fun to watch. No doubt about it. Hey, Ben, can't say thanks enough. We're all going to be watching and listening to you tomorrow, East Carolina and Vandy. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. That's Ben McDonald.